Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always. Today's podcast is about Texas. So we're going to talk a little bit about sales tax and things in Texas. So if you're an electrical contractor and you're in Texas, you could be a plumbing contractor as well. It really wouldn't matter. If you're electrical, you're, you're a contractor in general, then there's some things that we want to talk about in today's episode that can keep you maybe out of trouble. Now, first and foremost, I have to say that I am not attorney, that I'm not giving legal advice. I am not an employee of the Texas uh contractors board or anything like that so i'm not giving advice through that i'm just giving you general advice based on me being uh, familiar with the texas uh, taxation rules and again none of the stuff that i'm giving you is is advice on what you should do it's things you should think about Um, and so what i will have is a link in this podcast to uh a website that you can go to that will give you more information on what we're talking about today. So I kind of help you out a little bit, kind of a flow chart, if you will. So as a contractor, uh, if I'm offering my services, you know, you have to ask yourself when you get into the contracting business, am I going to charge sales tax or am I not? And when would I need to charge sales tax and when would I not? When I buy a product, if I'm charged a sales tax from wherever I buy it, Home Depot, Lowe's, Supply House or whatever, and I don't elect to get a tax-exempt certificate uh, in order to be able to not have to pay sales tax because I'm planning on uh, recording my sales tax and then turning it into the state uh, as sales tax or use tax, um, then there's certain ways that you have to look at it in order to be able to make sure that you don't fall uh, astray of what the tax rules are. Now, Texas Tax Code 3.291, or we refer to it as 3.29, is really how contractors should tax their customers and, and, and the concept of when you can and when you can't. Um, and so, uh, if let me give you to, in a nutshell, if there's two different types of, of flows and thoughts here uh, when you're dealing with that for the customer. Uh, the one thing you're dealing with is called lump sum billing, and the other is called separated billing contracts. So there's two different things. So you have new construction, and of course you have remodel and repair. And I'll kind of give you an idea how I do my, my business model. And we're kind of overly simplifying this, but let me put it to you this way. If you're an electrical contractor, and I'm going to keep it to the electrical because that's kind of what I do, um, and you go and you do a job and you issue an invoice, Now, on that invoice, if you had material, let's say you had a a box, a receptacle, you had some, you know, some screws, whatever you had, and you itemize it all out, uh, and and you give it a price, uh, and usually it's marked up from what you paid for it, obviously, um, and whatever your percentage of markup is, and you put it on your invoice, and you actually itemize everything out, then that's called a separated billing. And if that's the case, 
you still you have to charge sales tax on the material, not the labor, the material. So a lot of times, I guess as a, a, electrical contractors, we want to show everything to the customer. This is what the receptacle cost, and this is what blah 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 blah. Now, if I am going to itemize it out or separate it out on a bill, uh, then that, or even a contract, if I'm going to do that, then that constitutes where I need to charge sales tax. And I need to register with the state in order to be able to get a tax sales tax license. And I have to pay that sales tax. Now, if you do what's called lump sum billing contract, means that no tax is charged to the customer. You paid the sales tax when you bought the material. And you do on your invoice, it's just one lump sum. For example, it might say receptacle replacement, uh, one hour labor, including materials. And you give an overall price. Okay, If you give an overall price, then that constitutes what we call lump sum billing. You're not branching out every little component. Now, I do know some contractors out there that will put their labor down and then they'll have lines for a receptacle, whatever that costs, whether it's $1.25 and they'll put $2.75 or whatever, and that's what they're charging. And then they add it all up. When you've done that, you now have to pay sales tax over and above what you paid as when you bought the product. Now, I might have paid sales tax when I bought it, but that was sales tax on what it cost me. Now that I'm reselling it for two something, I have to pay the sales tax on that. So you don't pay it on the labor, but you have to pay it on the materials only. Now that's if you do what's called a separable billing. What I do is that I lump it all into one price. So I go, um, it's, it's my hourly rate plus material. And so I'll make it clear what my hourly rate is but then the material gets rolled into it and I don't itemize it out. And if I do itemize it out, it's on a separate itemized sheet that's not on the invoice and I'm not putting prices on it because the price is irrelevant for that application, okay? So just understand that that if you do lump sum billing, then you, you, you don't have to charge sales tax if you do it in the lump one overall sum, okay? And if I purchase that material from a vendor, then I have to pay the tax to that vendor, whether it's Home Depot, Lowe's, or whatever. So be very careful if you're itemizing out or you're doing what's called a separated billing because you will have to charge tax on the material. Okay. Now, if you list out the stuff that you used, but you didn't price it, then check with your tax consultant because maybe you're not really separating it out you're doing it overall but you're just giving a list of the material but you're not putting a price on the material i don't see a difference in that part of it but again you need to check with your tax professional i am not a tax professional uh, when i do mine again i just usually will say let's say i'll go to a service call and i'm replacing a receptacle and i'm going to provide the receptacle i might put receptacle replacement uh, on my invoice, and it'll put, if I was there one hour, because I have a minimum of an hour, I'll put whatever my rate is, one hour, and I'll say uh, plus material. 
and then I give my overall price. And that's more. Now, if they know your hourly rate, it doesn't take brain surgeon to be able to do the math and, and determine what I'm actually charging for the material. But that's irrelevant when it comes to, for me, giving a price. I am giving a lump sum price. That's what I'm giving to them. Okay? Now, for new construction, that works for both commercial and residential. The same concept flows. It's no different. If you were lump sum, if you do lump sum billing and you put it all in the price and it's all incorporated in one price, then you don't charge the customer sales tax, okay? Because you paid the taxes when you bought the product. Now, if you get a tax-exempt license, okay, then you have to pay your tax because you didn't pay tax when you bought the product. In the, in, in the state, it's going to get their money one way or another, okay? So, under new construction, that's for you. Now, let's, what about repairs or remodel? Now, in my case, I don't do any commercial work. Uh, because even if you do commercial work, whether it's lump sum or separable, I still have to charge tax on the whole invoice amount. Okay. So, and if I purchase something that, and I have a resale certificate, um, for the material, it, I still have to, again, I'm paying sales tax on the entire amount, but on purchases, I don't pay the sales tax because I don't want to, I don't want to have to pay it twice. So, but I have to have that resale certificate. Okay, but that's only if I don't pay the tax. Okay. Now, if you do pay, if you do pay the tax, then what you want is is to seek a credit from the state for those taxes that you purchase. And that's you know. And again, I'm not a tax person. I'm not telling you how to do your business model. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one. Um, but these are things that you need to to think about. And the link that I'll provide there will give you information for a state tax advisor who kind of gives you a quick reference chart. All I'm saying is, remember, there's a reason that I, for example, don't do repair and remodel on anything commercial in my business model. At this point in time, that's just not what my model is. Uh, I'm, I'm after residential only or new construction only. Now, what about repair and remodel under residential? Under residential, you treat it just like it was new construction, and then you can use a lump sum billing is what I do. I give one flat price on my invoice, and it includes material, and that's what it is. Uh, and uh, I can have a discussion on what components I used to do this repair with my customer, but on the invoice, I am not separating it out. I'm not doing a separable bill or invoice, okay? All right. So that's kind of the concepts here. So... Whether you're doing commercial or residential, new construction or repair and remodel, um, it's understand that if you're doing an invoice and you're marking up the product material and you're itemizing it, you're really what's do you're doing is a separated billing. And under separated billing, for example, you need to you're going to have to pay tax on the material only, but not on the labor. Okay. So that's the first part that, you know, we want to just, you know, I just want to make sure that everybody's aware of that. Okay. All right. So let's move on to there's a hierarchy. Now, the hierarchy of prevailing documents in the Texas sales and use tax audit. Uh, I'm going to read you some information. And here's what it says. Contractors can have varying ways in which they keep their records, how you keep your records. Uh, some have complete and organized job files and some don't. Some people are much better at keeping track of their stuff than others do in case you run into an audit. 
Uh, depending on how your records are retained and organized, it can be it can be very challenging during an audit for an auditor to make an appropriate decision about the job. Uh, so keeping detailed records, for example, I use an app with an invoice number and I tie, for example, my mileage to that invoice number. Everything is kind of tied together and I keep them in a file. And of course, I back up that file all the time so that in any audit, I can simply spit out exactly what my invoices are. And every invoice is going to have that lump sum billing format on it. Okay. And uh, so in this case, uh, some contractors can be uh, can be even detrimental to themselves by keeping really, really, really poor records. Hopefully, you don't ever have to go through an audit, but you know what? You, you got to do the best you can, and it's very important. Uh, and I'm reading from what it says here. A very important part of the contractor rules that many, if not most, contractors are completely unaware of is that there is a hierarchy of documents. In other words, if your invoice says one thing and your contract says another, which is the one that counts? So which will the auditor look at first? What your invoice says or what your actual contract says? So in an audit, the state of Texas Comptroller's office has an R hierarchy of what they'll look at. They're going to look at any contract. They're going to look at any bids you do. And then they're going to look at the invoice in that order. And if the contract says one thing that it looks separable, or separable, however you want to say it, and the invoice tries to achieve it by a lump sum, they're going to look at what's on the contract and you're going to owe taxes on that. So you have to be real important. For example, most of my work, I don't do contracts because it's all service related. And at this point in my career as a contractor in Texas, years ago, I had all these rules for contracts in Virginia and I followed those rules. I did a contract on everything. Uh, and, uh, but in Texas, it's a little different. Um, but I'm doing only service work, so there's really no contract. The person has a problem, they call me out, I fix the problem, I give them what's called a bill right then, which is also an invoice the moment they pay, and everything in there in mine is lump summed. Okay, I don't itemize out parts. Okay, it's all in one price. Now, if they want to know what material I used, then I have no problem providing them a material list, but I don't get into the costs of it. Okay. I just give them my final lump sum price. If they want to do some deductive reasoning based on my hourly rate, that's up to them. But I don't do that for them. It's just lump sum is what I give. Okay. Um, now, uh, again, it goes in a hierarchy, contract, bid, or invoice. So you can't skirt the rules by submitting a contract or a bid on a project and turn around and nail invoicing as a lump sum and say, oh, I don't have to pay the taxes on it. That's the hierarchy of how they're going to look at it. They're going to look at the contract. If there's no contract, they're going to look at a bid, and then they're going to look at the invoice, okay? Now, it goes on to say in this article, and again, I'm going to link you to this article because if you're a Texas contractor, you really, really, really need to read this article. It is, a, it is well done. It's actually written by a lady called Susan Gortez. I believe that's her name, and yeah, I don't know if she's an attorney or not, but you know, she writes it very well, and it's a well-done done article okay anyway i'm just kind of giving you the overview of it now unfortunately here she goes on to say unfortunately during an audit it is not simply what you know happened it's what you can prove happened if a contract does exist 
it usually has all the information needed to prove the work was commercial or residential. So you can't argue whether or not, oh, it was it was new construction. It can be very clear whether or not it was new construction or remodeling, whether or not it's lump billing or it's actual separable billing or separated billing. All these factors are important to determining whether or not you owe taxes on this application or whether or not you paid your taxes when you bought the product uh, and you did it as a lump sum. So you have to understand the difference between the two. Uh, And it goes on to give some good information on the differences. So that's why I wanted to make this article aware to people uh, because she does an excellent job in explaining all these things. Now, I knew that I was going to do lump sum because all I do is service work. Okay. All right. So, uh, but I think Susan Brown Gordes, uh, I think that's her name. She's actually a managing partner of the Brown Gordes and Company, which is a law firm. So, uh, or a tax consulting firm or, uh, I'm not sure what she is, but, you know, she has great insight in these rules and these laws, and I'm going to provide this in a link. Um, So one of the things that she says, you know, you need to know the difference between new construction and remodel so that you know what category you're in, whether you're doing residential, commercial, and new construction, or you're doing remodel and repair of commercial or residential. Now, it might seem pretty intuitive, but... One definition of new construction is quite obvious. It's from the ground up construction. It's all new. Okay. It hasn't gotten a CO yet. It's it's all new construction. That one's fairly easy. Okay. But new construction could also qualify as maybe a strip mall where one of the spaces is getting built out. That is new construction, even though the whole building has been built out. Okay. So you got to understand it. That would fall under new construction. Even if the building has already been there for many, many, many years, the part that's getting built out is new construction and it's being finished out. Okay. Now, even the other thing to remember is it a remodeling? Because once it's built out and it's say, so if I did a five bay strip mall and I have five spaces and they originally get built out for the first time, that's new construction. Now, if a new, if that company leaves and now they're going to remodel that space, then that is a remodel because it was already built out the first time. It might mean new to the person that's buying it or remodeling it, but it's exactly what it is. It's it's being gutted and refinished, okay? So even if the entire space and finished it out again, it's still considered a remodel, okay? Now, she goes on to say, look, if all the walls of a building are taken down and only the slab remains and the subsequent work to build... Uh, to rebuild the building is new construction. You built it, you, you ripped it all the way down to the foundation, to the slab, and you're putting it back. That's new construction. So it's important to understand the nuances, and she does a great job of going over all those things. Okay. Now, uh, she also talks about some of the concepts that might not be so obvious uh, when it comes to retaining walls and putting it. So it's really interesting to, to read her article. The other thing is to determine whether something is residential versus commercial to understand whether or not, uh, because I can see where people will say, well, wait a minute, it's commercial, but it's a remodel or renovation. I have to pay a, a tax on the, on the whole invoice. That's the labor and the material, the whole thing. Whereas I don't have to do it if it's residential. Okay, in a remodel, and I don't have to do it if it's a a lump sum, if it is um, um, a new construction. Okay, so it's important to understand the differences in the two. 
Okay. Now, in the state of Texas, the state considers any property where people live for more than 30 days residential. Okay, so that's the first thing to, to, look, to look at. And you can, and, and she even goes into where it can get even deeper for apartments. Because apartments are residential. But any common area of an apartment complex are residential. Okay? Uh, the pool and the fitness center, the clubhouse, the gate leading into the complex. Okay? So, the, the, the only area of apartment complex that would be considered commercial and therefore subject to different taxation than residential is the sales office area. That's important to know if you end up coming down and whether or not you say, well, the, the, the clubhouse, that's, that's not residential. Under the Texas rules, it is considered. Again, consult with your tax person, consult with your attorney, but I'm just telling you what's in the article and it's from a firm that is well known in this. Okay, so under that case, it's real important to understand that the sales office is considered the commercial part, okay, but everything else would be residential. And if it's residential, you're able to do it and and you don't have to charge the sales tax on the material if you do a lump sum. If you do separable, that's different. Like we said, then you're going to pay the tax on the material. So it's really important how you approach this, and this is how they're going to look at it if you get audited. Okay? All right? Now, that's just some of that stuff. Again, it should not take the place of legal advice uh, and things like that. Um, but it's really something that you need to, to think about. Now, I'm going to provide the link to this because I think all of the, and there's some great comments that come after it, and, and uh, she goes on, Susan goes on to answer a lot of these questions, and she does a, a really good job of answering these questions for people, and it's amazing that you can get so much information with this. So it might be similar in your state, so I just want to make you aware of it. That there is a difference. Now, there's also a neat little flow chart that you can download from this link, okay, that I'm going to provide. It's free. And it kind of gives you that flow so you don't get into trouble as a contractor. Now, we're not all perfect. Mistakes happen. But if you follow this concept, then it seems to me, and you keep good records, that you're going to be prepared for whatever comes your way. Uh, Now, if you want to get a sales-exempt tax license and you want to charge sales tax on everything and do that... Fine, but you don't have to. If you want to bill everything out and charge sales tax on the the material, that's fine. But you don't have to do that. You have the option to do it in a lump sum format. That's up to you. I just don't want people making the mistake out there and think they're doing a lump sum, but then they send an invoice that breaks out their hourly, and then underneath it, it breaks out the material, and then charges markup on that material and things like that, but you don't collect sales tax for it, and then you get audited and you have a problem. Okay, Do it as a lump sum, all in one lump, and then you're going to be a little more prepared for it. So it's a great article. I will provide this for you in the notes. Um, Hopefully you got something out of it. Again, this is very specific to Texas, but your state might have similar rules. So go look under sales tax licensing rules for your state and to make sure that you're doing your invoices accurately. The last thing that you want to do is get hit with an audit and find out that you owe thousands and thousands of dollars in sales tax that you should have already taken into account. Nobody can control what your labor is. Nobody can control what your markup is on the product, but they can if you separate bill it out and you actually charge 
you know, so you need to check with the tax consultant. You need to check uh, and make sure. But lump sum billing means you have one price. It covers everything. All right, and that's what it is. So, till next time, folks, stay safe. I will provide a link to that document for you to read. And if you're in Texas, I will also provide a link to a Texas Comptroller's document that also has good information in it if you're in Texas. So, thanks again, folks. Till next time, stay safe. God bless. Bright. Every day is another beginning.